Hey, Jay Kunzo here. And as content marketers, we live at a time when instantly you can access the world's information and have it all at your fingertips. But just because you can find somebody else's steps for doing your work doesn't mean you should. If we all do the same things the same way, then at best, we're blending in. We're average. We're doing commodity work. But for the big stuff, the meaningful stuff, the creative stuff, that requires more of who you are, of your own personal intuition. Today, we continue our series in partnership with Content Marketing World, running every other week as a part of Unthinkable. And the goal is to hear speaker names that we've heard of, sharing stories we haven't. Today, the great, the dynamic, the one and only Tamsin Webster. I just don't ever want to think that something so easily fixable was the difference between someone hearing, listening, just synthesizing, adopting, like having that idea become part of them. I just, for that not to happen when it could, I, I try to do everything I can to make sure that that just never happens. Tamsin does a lot of a lot. She writes, she speaks, she does a video blog. She's even helped organize a local TEDx event. In fact, one of the very first in the world. TEDx Cambridge, Massachusetts. So she knows a thing or two about how to speak to speakers about speaking. How delightfully meta. You are a speaker, but you're also very interested in other speakers. Why? (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love figuring out what they're doing and why it's working. So I, I, I am obsessed with figuring out where the energy is, either in a person or an idea, and then figuring out when that's working really well, why is it working? So yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I'm listening for. So one of the things that I'm always listening for is, is how is it constructed? Like, what did they do and how did they get there? And yeah, I, I, over time I started to notice there's this, there's this pattern to it and that the great talks all had clarity around certain key concepts. And so yeah, whenever I'm listening to a talk, I'm really looking at it at, at three different levels. I'm looking at it substance-wise, like what's the core of the idea? Is the idea interesting? Is it different? Is it does it is it a new spin on something? Is it something I've heard before? Is it wrapped in a new way? And the second thing I'm listening for is how do they structure it? What are they doing? So it's almost like, you know, think about your favorite movies and think about the fact that, you know, Jaws is it, Alien is basically Jaws, and but just you know it was sold even as Jaws on a spaceship. You know, so you know, when we're speakers or speak, you know, fundamentally the ideas are not that different. So I'm always really interesting, like how does somebody innovate on the form? Like what are they what are they doing differently? And then the final thing I'm always looking at is you know, what's what are they doing with how they present it that is again adding power to what they're saying. And I'm not talking about ums and uhs and filler words, but how are they how are they manipulating not even that. How are they um metamorphosizing? Is that a word? <laughs> um between what I see is uh, four styles that I just see over and over again mm-hmm. and the best speakers kind of rotate. So there's a ton of stuff I'm looking at, but yeah, I've 
I've always got this like secondary. I'm like, it's mystery science 3000, you know, theater 3000, <laughs> like in my head all the time going, Oh, that was a good idea. Oh, that was a problem statement. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, they're like, they've, 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 th- there's their showman moment. Like there's a ton of stuff. Yeah. You, you're like Neo in the matrix and that you can watch a talk <laughs> and you see all the code like scrolling through. You're like, Oh, they're doing that and this. And like, you're getting to a more nuanced level of how it all works and makes what the, what the listener, what the attendee gets, which is just the experience in, in the same way that, you know, you mentioned the movies. If you leave a movie, unless you're in the business or you study that kind of thing, you're not like, you know what? I loved that film, particularly the transition between scene number X and Y. And you're like, no, it's you just I like that movie. And you yeah, might it was pick a good out a couple story. moments. Yeah. yeah. What about you, the person, makes that kind of thinking so fascinating? Like where did this begin? Oh my goodness. I, I, I think at some level, well, here, you know, what's funny. Well, I had a hairstylist once upon a time describe me as the highest maintenance, low maintenance person that they ever met. <laughs> well, I go to, I go to a very uh, exclusive French place that cuts my hair. It's called super cuts. It's super cuts. Oh, lovely. Um, but it was so funny because in a lot of ways that captured a lot, I think of who I am, which is I do everything I can to minimize how much I have to think about stuff, which means I'm constantly trying to figure out, is there, you know, I'm trying to find the mental equivalent of space bags for my brain, right? So that, you know, the space bags where it's like you use your, you put put a bunch of, it's the commercials where they have like, you know, 78 sweaters and they put them in a big plastic Ziploc bag and they put the vacuum vacuum on it. Yeah, it's kind of like vacuum sealed or something like that. Exactly, like all of a sudden they, they end up flattened. Well, like I'm always trying to find ways to, to do that because I always want more things in my head. Like I just, and so. The, Were you like a giant book nerd as a kid or did you love I, academics or? I, you know, I was, a, I was a book nerd. You know, my, my parents would almost mockingly say that I was convinced that I could teach myself anything from a book. I do still in fact believe that, that anybody can. If I were to come back in animal form, I would be a magpie. Yeah, you know, I, I find shiny things and then I try to figure out what can I do with them. And so I'm just, I'm fascinated by what goes back to what I was saying before, like what, you know, what's the energy there? Why is it there? What, and what can I do with it? How can I make it stronger? How can I put it to use? How can I help somebody else with it? And in order to understand how to answer those questions, I often have to figure out where's the, like I have to break down the energy in the first place. Mm. What is that thing? And that's, so this is where the frameworks come into play, particularly if we're talking about how I'm watching a talk. It's because I'm looking for, I'm looking for that. I'm like, why is it working? Why is it not? And, and the more that I have these frameworks I can attach to it, the easier it is for me to figure out, uh, okay, uh, they lost the audience got confused there. I know why it's because they forgot to really clearly identify what the big problem was you know, or this talk, you know, that they launched right into it without ever really explaining to the audience what the audience would get as a result of the talk, like what it would help them achieve. So I don't know. It all comes down to, (laughs) I say to, I say to my clients, I overthink so you don't have to. Yeah, there you go. Well, you're trying to maximize the medium. I feel, I feel like 
you know, if you're in marketing today and you're creating content for all these different channels in all of these, these different mediums, whether it's text or it's audio or video or multimedia, speaking is a form of content and it's a medium um, that a lot of people don't maximize. It's like, why would I listen to you speak if all you're going to do is really recount some tip and trick article that you wrote on your blog? It's quicker and easier and cheaper for me to just read that. And what you're thinking about is like the audience experience. How mm -hmm. do I make sure they have the best possible one when their intent is I'm hearing a speaker, not a blog post that happens to be manifested before me? Yes. I mean, my goal as a, as a speaker, my goal when I'm working with clients on this is a meaningless, excuse me, meaningless, frictionless transfer of meaning. That's what I'm looking for. Like I have an idea in my head. I want to get it into your head with as little loss of intent of meaning as possible. Right. And so, because that's going to be back to what I was saying before the fastest, best, easiest way to move somebody towards their goal, whether that's the person I'm talking to or whether that's me. Uh, because like, if, if I have an idea that I think is valuable, then I want to make sure that you fully understand and embrace that idea so that it not, so that it, it, it lasts beyond the moment of you hearing it because something can resonate in the moment, but if it doesn't stay with you, what has it really done? And that, that is an idea that haunts me as a, and it haunted me for 20 years as a marketer, it haunts me helping people with their ideas. It's like, oh, these are such great ideas. Everyone has one. I know they do. Everyone does. They're just not always willing to push hard enough and work hard enough to find it. But when you've got these incredible ideas, like, I just don't ever want to think that something so easily fixable was the difference between someone hearing, listening, just synthesizing, adopting, like having that idea become part of them. I just, for that not to happen when it could, I, I try to do everything I can to make sure that that just never happens. I think a lot about audio as a medium because I host Unthinkable as a big part of my work and then I compare it to speaking and, and, and I just think about like what's different. You know, if you're speaking, it's blocking like the movement on the stage, it's the tone of voice, it's your eye contact with the audience, there's all this stuff that doesn't exist as a speaker on a podcast. And even mm. the stuff you just gave me as an answer, like you paused, you considered your words, and then you your inflection went up and mm. there was a little bit of a like kind of a gasp at some of those words. Like there were things you were doing that to the listener right now, it was like, oh, Tamsin really cares about this. And she's also pausing to compose herself. And that's giving me a moment of like, hmm, maybe I should pay attention to this. It's called That's called a signpost in, mm -hmm. in, in podcasting. It's sort of like, and then someone walked in the door and then you hear the person actually say, hey, Bob. And you're like, oh, that guy was trying to point out to me that I should pay attention to Bob entering. Like mm -hmm. there's all these subtle nuances that get people from I have an idea to it's a well-articulated idea. Mm -hmm. And you right now are actually working on a, a framework and, and a brand and a big idea yourself to help others with their, their ideas. Tell us about that. It's the red thread. What is the red thread and what does that mean for other speakers? The red thread is a phrase that Scandinavians use and what they, what they mean with it, the way they use it is is to say, what is this thing that ties everything that you're saying together? What's the through line? What's the theme? What's the message? 
And as marketers, as speakers, as people, I mean, my goodness, with the gig economy coming up, I think we're, it's critical that we understand how to quickly and effectively articulate to somebody, you know, what is it that our presence means? What can we do? So I use that phrase to dis- to describe that thing that we need to be able, that, that core meaning that we have to transfer without friction. And as I was saying before, what I started to notice and by reverse engineering from what worked as a marketer, what worked as I was and do help people put their talks together and TED Talks together, that there are these things that we as humans must hear in order for meaning to transfer. And the the thing we have to understand about that is that in order for something to have to have meaning, it has to make sense first. So what I did was, okay, we've got this red thread, that's the meaning. But to understand how do I come up with a big idea? How do I articulate my passion? We have to break it down into those component parts that help, that are what construct that meaning in the first place. So what are those component parts? Well, they, three big things really. It's the first thing is a problem, a problem that stands in the way of a goal. So, you know, if you're talking about your, yourself as a person uh, and you're trying to figure out what's my red thread or one of them, the way I ask this question is, what are the problems that you are drawn to solve? What are the things that when you see them, that you just, you must fix them? So I, I gave an example already for me. I, yeah, I, I am drawn to solve the, the, the misdirection or misapplication of energy in something, whether that's a person or brand or a product. The second component, though it doesn't come in this order next, is what are the changes that you go to? What's the solutions that you bring to bear? What's How do you solve those problems over and over again? So for me, I think I already tipped my hand on that as well. I'm looking for efficiency. What's the fastest way that I can get from here to there? And then here's the missing thing. And the the third piece, the third core piece of the heart of the red thread is something that most messages, most ideas, most talks just don't have. And that is a core idea. So between the problem and the change sits an idea. And, And what I mean by that idea is it's the thing that not only explains the problem, so And I'll give an example in just a minute about what I mean by this. But it also is the thing that someone has to say yes to before they'd be receptive to a change. Now, that all sounds great. That's conceptual. Mm -hmm. But what does that actually mean? You know, (laughs) I could use a very basic example from life to illustrate this. So if you go to your doctor's office for a regular checkup and uh, she stands behind you and says, Jay, you need surgery. Right. That's the, that's the equivalent of, I've got a solution here. You want it, mm. right? You're backing up and going, um, surgery for what? Why do I need surgery? And it really doesn't matter how many times I tell you, like, it's, it's the best surgery. I'm the best surgeon. It's like all the features and benefits that you're going to get from the surgery. You still have to know, like, why do I need it? Right. So even if we, so, so we know we need the change now. That's okay. What's the, the problem? All right. Well, now that your doctor says you have a spot on your back. You need surgery. What's the spot? Exactly. And the spot, what the spot is, is the idea. Mm. So, and these things, remember I said they had to make sense. So if I say you have a spot, hey, Jay, it's lint. When do you want to schedule surgery? You're like, nope, 
That's not, <laughs> that is not going to work for me. So that idea has to make sense in the context of the other two. Right. So you you know, the surgery only makes sense if this is, oh, well, that spot looks a little troubling, maybe precancerous. Now you're willing to say, okay, I'd be ready for it. Is so, this something you'd see not just on a stage or is it something that only implies to like big, big idea keynote speakers? Like, does Oh it no. It, oh my goodness. It manifests everywhere. So an example I love to point people to is the about us, uh, paragraph on Ariana Huffington's thrive global site. Right. So, um, like you can see it, it's a beautiful articulation. There's a paragraph where it's basically, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but she starts with this, you know, here's what we're here to do. Here's the problem that we see in the world. Here's what we believe. And this is why we're creating this community of thrivers. And it's just that way. You can see it when it works well, when it's present in, you can actually see it even in the thrive global pitch deck, which is circulating on SlideShare. And it does the same thing. It starts with a goal that the problem is in the way of where, you know, here's what we're looking for. How do we end the st corporate stress and burnout epidemic while still maintaining productivity? Second slide of the deck. Here's the problem. The very things that we're doing to, to pursue productivity are in fact creating the stress and the burnout that we want to get rid of. Third slide, love it, is the philosophy, our philosophy, which is in fact the idea. And in that, they say, well, we believe that it's this intersection between Eastern and Western understandings of both productivity and health that are the answer. And therefore, the change, the way they're going to solve that particular problem is we're going to create a community of thrivers. In other words, a community of people who believe the same thing so that we can share information, share share practical application of these tips and, and get right. there. So it's everywhere. And so once you know what to look for, you start seeing it and then you start decoding it and you're like, oh, well, I didn't hear an idea there. <laughs> so it can be. It can be either fun or you're going to wish that I never told you. So, so let me see if I can unpack. So I want to get you to X that is my idea or my solution or the better way of the world. And mm -hmm. the reason we have to get to X is Y. So that's the surgery and the spot. <laughs> so here's how it maps. So think of it this way. If you're going to put it into the context of, so the core of it is the problem, the idea, and the change. Problem is you have a spot on your back. The idea is the diagnosis of that spot. It's lint, it's precancerous. The change is the high level shift in direction that I want you to make. So do you, you know, lead let, with the last one or do you try to? No, 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 no. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Oh, good question. Yeah. Those, those things have to appear in that order when you're, when you're trying to convince someone of something else. Uh, so okay. you can, so I, I don't know what it is about colors. I call this the green smoothie problem. It's like, if I hand you like a smoothie, that's just bright green in a glass, you're going to immediately be at an information disadvantage and be like, what is this broccoli or, you know, veggies or grass or something like, right. no. But if I say, Hey, you mentioned you were thirsty. There's your problem. Uh, I think if we combined banana and kiwi and spinach and, you know, X, Y, and Z delicious things, we could create a really great drink. And here is that drink. And you're yes. going to be like, Oh, I get where you came from that. This solves my problem. I get the, the way you, the path to the idea to solve my problem. And now I'm accepting your idea. Whereas most people, especially in my line of work where it's a lot of creative work, uh, they lead with the idea and everyone's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, I need surgery. Right. What, are you, what are you talking about? 
Right. They lead with a solution. And so it's funny how it's only when you back it up and give it in that example where people are like, well, of course, I would never do that. But that's exactly what we do in a huge amount of marketing is we lead with here's the solution to like they don't sometimes they don't even say here's the solution to your problem. Just like here's this thing that we invented. Like and <laughs> like and and so even if so when I'm, when I'm looking at talks or papers or articles or whatever, there definitely are some basic structures. So an academic structure would be, here's the problem, here's the solution, now let's go back and explain it. Right. That, however, is not all that exciting to somebody to read. So I'm a much more of a fan of, uh, of, of orchestrating it in such a way where you say, you have this goal, right? You want to differentiate yourself from the marketplace. And that's hard, isn't it? It's hard because there's all these changes and challenges. But you know what the real problem is, is that you're chasing the channels instead of focusing on the content that's going through them. Now, the reason why that's so important to understand is while the channels may change, the way that people make decisions never does. The way that people make meaning never does, which means, so that's the idea, which means here comes the change then in order to truly differentiate yourself from the market, what you need to do is orient your content planning around the change-making process. How? You can do X, Y, Z, you know, then that's yeah. those are the actions that follow. Right, that's the rest of the talk or the workshop you upsell or something like that. Exactly. And so, but you see, it's like, you want this thing, right? You've got to get the way where you, where you have to start any message, any idea is where somebody would already say yes. This is the thing that you want, right? Not you want my surgery, you want my product. It's you want the thing that this thing will enable for you. You want differentiation. You want uh, you want rest, relaxation, whatever it is. The first place you want to start is if I know I have an op- and so you can reverse engineer. You can like this is the thing I want people to do. Okay, well, what problem does that solve for them? Okay, why is that such a problem for them? Ah, because it's in the way of this goal. Awesome. I love that. So we have we have three minutes left. I want to try uh, a three-pack of questions, and okay. you get to give me an answer and one sentence to justify it. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is called Alpha Beta Scale, and it's treating your career like the different stages of product growth. And the alpha question is okay. looking, obviously, into the past when you were younger, earlier, rawer in your career. What is something, be it a person, a moment, an experience, a hobby even, from earlier in your life that you think had a profound impact on your success today? Being a Weight Watchers leader for 13 years because it was a day-to-day lab of what worked and what didn't when it came to getting people to change. Awesome. Uh, The beta question, since we're all in beta, I don't think we're ever going to be a finished product as individuals in our career, is the present day. So what is something that you've learned recently that you think you'll carry with you? So uh, I was reminded recently, so here it is. It's the phrase move on. It comes from my favorite musical Sunday in a park with George. And it's part of a phrase in the musical that says, stop worrying where you're going. Uh, if you know where you go, you're going, you've already gone. You just keep moving on. Wow. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I want to put that on a sticker. It's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. The scale question is looking ahead. What is something you firmly believe about the future? I firmly believe about the future that we'll need to be able to understand how who we are and what we do ties in to how everybody else does what they do. So it's about how 
our red thread weaves together with everybody else's to create that stronger fabric. I think we need to know how to do that and it's going to be critically important. Special thanks to Tamsin Webster. You can say hello to her on Twitter at Tama Deer. That's T-A-M-A Deer. Also, I'll be on the main stage this year at Content Marketing World, first week of September in Cleveland, Ohio. I really hope you can make it so that I can ham it up a little bit extra just because I know you've listened to me before. So I got to one-up myself on a microphone. It's it's, going to be hard to do. But I'm up for the challenge if you can make it to the event. A big reason why I'm doing what I do for a living right now is this event. And you can get $100 off your ticket price if you use UNTHINKABLE, in all caps, UNTHINKABLE as a coupon code when you check out. That would be at contentmarketingworld.com. We're back next week with another documentary-style episode exploring a big idea behind what it takes to trust your intuition. If you're not already, subscribe to our newsletter at unthinkable.fm. In that newsletter every Monday morning, not only will you get a reminder for each episode, but you'll get some extra goodies as well. The section I love creating the most is called Email Antipasto, or if you're in my family, Antipast. It's an assortment of little snacks ahead of the main course each week. Once again, that's at unthinkable.fm. Subscribe via email there. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I gotta say, Tamsin Webster does the unthinkable. She breaks from all the average noise... And she's now an exception. Are you? Are you?